you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. We want to open the word of the Lord for a little bit, and I'm just going to talk to you for a little while tonight. Um, Just going to just share with you a little bit about what I feel that the Lord would have me share with you. Um, We have talked uh, about salvation for some time and um, did what I call a salvation series and uh, we kind of walked through the steps of salvation and I felt inspired to begin to look more in depth at what follows salvation. Salvation of course is how to be saved. And now tonight we're going to talk a little bit about Christian character and what we have to develop in our lives once we are saved. Salvation salvation is free, but somebody says, but it'll cost you everything. Here's the idea. Salvation is free. It's from the Lord. But to go beyond the initial steps of salvation and being saved, in order to develop character in our life that the Bible is calling us to, it requires some willful thinking, some changes. Can I get an amen? It requires some changes in our lives. And we're going to talk a little bit about those tonight. We're going to talk about developing that Christian character and... And where, where this really comes from, of course, um, we, use, we use words. We use words that sometimes, um, sometimes we use biblical words and we use them a little out of context or a little out of place in that uh, we call it, we could call it a holiness series. And we, some folks like that word. Uh, we call it a holiness series. But if we want to get technical tonight, God is holy, and none of us are. And none of us really ever will be holy in the way that God is holy. Because we take holiness, and we begin to put holiness into a package, and begin to try to make it a form of how we look, how we dress, places we go or don't go, things we do or don't do. And, and, and all of those are good. I'm not against those, but I want to be more uh, inclusive tonight because I, we all, I do believe, understand that.
that holiness unto the Lord is a matter of the heart. You cannot achieve it in your outward actions. In your consecrations. I'm not against consecrations. As a matter of fact, this church is a consecrated church. This church, we call you to prayer. We call you to fast. How many of you just love when pastor says, why don't we do a fast this week? We love the outcome of it, but we don't like the discipline of it. So we believe in all of these things. We believe in the consecration and dedication that is required. But there is a heart of the matter, and the matter is the heart. If our Christian character is built or based on a list of rules, of do's and don'ts of the church, we have missed the heart of the matter. Because the real heart of the matter is, is that I want to please God. My consecration to the Lord, if it is pleasing unto Him, I do it not because I want you to look at me and say, wow, look at what He's doing, because that is my reward if I understand the Scripture. I just got my reward if you look at me and say, wow, He's doing it to be seen, but look, look at all the good things that He's doing. If I'm doing it only to be seen of men, my reward is that I was seen of men. But if I do it unto the Father which is in heaven, and I do it as unto the Lord, now I have opened myself up to some decisions of the heart. And the heart, the heart is where real Christian character must be developed from the heart. There is a lot that proceeds out of the heart. As a matter of fact, everything in the physical world that we live in proceeds out of the heart. The word heart that I'm using tonight uh, is dealing with the mind, soul, and body. It is the innermost being of man, not the, the muscle that pumps blood. The heart of the matter is really what is inside of man and what is inside of man will show up in the externals of our life let's look at Romans chapter 12 we're going to read several scriptures tonight if you have your Bibles you want to turn with me have your device you want to mark make a few notes I pray I say a few things that's noteworthy tonight Romans chapter 12 verse 1 the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church in Rome and he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Let me stop here for a moment to remind you that the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church in Rome. He's not speaking to the strangers in Rome. He's not speaking to the unsaved in Rome. He is speaking to the church in Rome that has already been born again. 
So he's talking to a saved group of people and now he's telling them how to go beyond the initial plan of salvation. And he said, I beseech you or I call you or I implore you, I'm requesting of you by the mercies of God because you will not be able to do this on your own. And when I, what I'm about to say to you, the apostle is telling them, you will not be able to do it without the mercies of God. If you think you can do it on the merit of your own flesh, if you think you can do it on the merit of your will and your desire and your willpower, you are, you are going to be, you're going to find yourself coming up short. <coughs> Pardon me for my cough tonight. But he said, by the mercies of God, I implore you that you present your body a living sacrifice. Not, he's saying now it is a living, meaning that he, he uses the term here telling us that it is not something that is to be, it's not a one-time sacrifice as a sacrifice of the Old Testament was taken to the altar and was killed on the altar and the blood was shed and it was sacrificed there on the altar. But he said to a saved group of people, now you've got to do something with the salvation that God has granted you with and given you. And by his mercy, I'm imploring you that you would present, not that I would present you, but that you, you saved individuals in the church in Rome, I'm asking you to present yourself Present your life, present your body a living sacrifice. A sacrifice that is, that is consistently living. This is an emergency broadcast system is going off, I do hear. If we're unsafe, somebody let me know, we'll pray. So he says to the church in Rome, present your bodies a living sacrifice. And then he goes on to say, he uses these terms, holy, acceptable unto God. Holy, acceptable unto God. Holy, acceptable unto God. I want you to get this. Holy, H-O-L-Y. Holy, as God is holy. Acceptable unto God. Remember, there's mercy involved in this. By the mercies of God. Am I okay? Am I okay? He's saying you, you're only going to be, be able to do this by the mercy of God. Because no matter what kind of saint you are, you're going to have to have the mercies of God. Because your, your holiness and your righteousness and your goodness and all the great things that you're doing is never going to add up. You better hope that God views what you're doing through his mercy. So you got to have his mercy. But you present your body holy, as a holy sacrifice, as a sacrifice that is acceptable unto the Lord. So there is some research for us to do when we talk about holy, a holy sacrifice of our own lives and a sacrifice that is acceptable unto the Lord. Now we can go in... Depending on how much time we want to spend, how many weeks we want to spend in this Christian character series. But we could begin talking about the sacrifice that was offered 
And, of course, the Old Testament sacrifice is all a type of Jesus Christ. And I've talked a little bit about this in the salvation series that I brought to you. But it had to be a lamb. It had to be a lamb. It was the firstborn lamb. It had to be... Uh, it, it had to be the best of the flock. Uh, it couldn't have any blemishes. Um, it couldn't be crippled. It couldn't have a scar. Uh, it, had to be, it had to absolutely be perfect um, in, a, in a manner that, that is unusual. It was an unusual, it had to be very unusual because it had to be the firstborn, the first flock. Born, it had to be born at a certain time. There were so many things that comes together to make this. And of course, all of that it's typology of Jesus Christ because he truly was the ultimate sacrifice and he truly was the sinless, spotless lamb. And so I understand all of this. But now as it's talking about our presenting our bodies holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is our reasonable sacrifice, he is now saying that this is only going to happen by the mercies of the Lord. But... He is saying, I'm not going to accept a sloppy, half-hearted, halfway, unreviewed sacrifice from your life. Wow. It's pretty strong. Pretty strong words he's saying. He said, you're never going to get it right in the flesh, not in your own. You're going to have to have the mercies of God. And it's going to be the mercies of God that's going to help you get here. But I am calling you and imploring you, Church of Rome, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. And when you think that all of this is about a list of rules and, and all this, it is not. He's saying you do this unto the Lord and it is just your reasonable sacrifice. It's not unreasonable. So the fact that God saves us, He does not save us for us just to continue to live in sin. The same apostle writes to another group, and in that writing to the other group, he said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Oh, we're saved by grace through faith. Wonderful. Grace has saved us. We've got the mercies of God in our life. We've got grace in our lives. The same apostle looks and he says, you cannot continue to live in sin so that grace may abound in your life and you say, well, I'm covered by grace. I can live however I want to live, sin as much as I want to sin and just say, well, I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. The same apostle said, God forbid. That was his words. He said, God forbid. You're going to have to put some action to this. God saved us and called us and he says, now your body, your life, your living, your day to day there is a reasonable sacrifice that you're going to have to decide within myself. I am going to make a reasonable sacrifice. Here's the thing. The sacrifice of, of Christ was a sacrifice. He, he, just before he passed from this life, just before he died, the critical, crucial death on the cross of Calvary, he says, no man takes my life but I lay it down, meaning it was willful. And in like manner, our distinguished life, our life of Christian character, our life of holiness and separation must come from our heart, not because pastor stands in the pulpit 
and preaches it and says, you need to put this in your life. But because it comes from our heart, it is a reasonable sacrifice and nobody's forcing me or making me do it. I'm doing it because it's my reasonable sacrifice and I want to please Him. See, because when I was lost and undone and couldn't do anything for myself, it was His grace and mercy. It was His blood that reached down, washed and cleansed me, made me new. Now I turn my life to Him and now I say, now I see what you did for me. Now what can I do to please you? There's the heart of the matter. It is the transition from what God's done for me to now what I can do to please Him. By my sacrifice, my reasonable sacrifice of Christian character, Everything changes now from a list of do's and don'ts to a, a heart of, with a desire to say, I want to please the Lord. Now, one of the first things that happens when we talk about Christian character, we talk about what God is expecting of us, presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is our reasonable service. One of the first things we think about starts being our appearance because we're programmed that way. We start immediately thinking about our appearance. But I want to look a little deeper into the biblical understanding of what God is expecting. I do believe that all of those things are in order, but there's more to our separation from the world than just a, a laundry list of how we should look or how we should be. Let's talk about that. One of the first things I want to talk about tonight, and I believe it's one of the most critical, one of the most crucial areas that reveals the heart is what proceeds out of our mouth. Oh boy. You thought you were off the hook tonight, didn't you? Crowds down Wednesday night. Pastor's going to come. Take it easy. I'm not. I'm coming right after you tonight. Let's look at Matthew chapter 12. I want you to see what the Bible says. I want you to see what the Lord says. Matthew chapter 12, verse number 34. Let's just start reading there. And let's see what the scripture says about what proceeds out of our mouth. And how that, that is part of our Christian character. I believe that a child of God should be distinguished by the words they speak. I wish I could get an amen in the house tonight. I know you're tired and worked all day, but come on, give me an amen tonight. The words that proceed out of your mouth are important because it reveals something that is going on on the inside of you. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Oh, generation of vipers. Somebody's in trouble already when Jesus starts speaking like this. How can you? Being evil, speak good things. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Can I, can I spend a few minutes here? I, I, I'm going to just talk to you how I feel tonight because that's the only thing I know to do. But it bothers me. It bothers me as a pastor. It bothers me as a friend to be among other friends who claim to be Christian and their conversations are conversations that sound like that they come from anywhere but an altar. When the conversation 
is a conversation filled with innuendos and sexual, particularly sexual innuendos. When our conversation, the things that we say, the, the expressions, the gestures, the actions are filled with all sorts of evil ideas and evil thoughts, it troubles me. It ought to not be in the church. It ought to not be among a Christian. A child of God ought to find a way to be able, when you can't control other people's conversations. You work in factories and in businesses where people are going to say all sorts of things. You get pulled. I understand all of that. But you don't have to participate in it. And you certainly don't have to bring it into your group. And your friends and other Christians that you hang with and think just because you're close to them that that gives you a right to be able to tell a joke that's off color. We are people of God. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. This is what God is telling us. This is part of our Christian character. This is our reasonable service. God is calling us to change. I believe a child of God, when he saves us, I believe he does more than just save you in your inside, save your heart, but he comes to change our mind. He comes to save our vocabulary. And these aren't things that happens overnight. There's some folks, listen, before I was full-time in ministry, I ran a construction company, and uh, we did commercial waterproofing, and that's just one step below roofers and painters. We're right there with the truck drivers, and those truck drivers in the house understand what I'm talking about, and the mechanics. There's some rough conversations that happen. There were some conversations I would hear on the job sometimes that would embarrass me and make me need to feel like I needed to go, go get a shower to get that conversation off of me. You can't control everything that happens around you. But neither do you have to own it. Neither do you have to make it part of what you do. Part of your vocabulary. Part of your joke routine. One of the funniest people in the church, Brother Everett Emery. He's got more jokes than you can imagine. He hasn't been telling me many jokes. You've got to work on that, Brother Everett. He used to give me jokes all the time. One of the funniest, he came to me and said, Brother Jordan, my wife and I, we're going to be celebrating. I don't remember. I think it was his 25th wedding anniversary. He said uh, she always wanted to go to Hawaii, so I'm going to take her to Hawaii. And he said, I'm going to go back and pick her up for her 50th. Sister Nancy just shrugs her shoulders and says, I know. You can be funny without being dirty. Your conversation doesn't have to come out of the restroom or the bedroom or the bar room. I, I wish I'd get some stronger amens in the house. The elders used to say it's hard to say amen to a dog when he's biting you by the seat of the pants. Our conversation is important. And it's part of our holiness. It's part of our separation. It's part of our distinguishing. Of course, 
not just, just because somebody has a good vocabulary and somebody doesn't tell dirty jokes and doesn't get him doesn't mean they're saved. Of course not. But I can tell you this much. If you want to stay saved and stay out of that lifestyle and not get pulled, there is going to be some distinguishing things that's going to happen. I know some people that came from a mighty, mighty long way that God saved them and brought them out. They may have had a few slip-ups and mess-ups and it may have taken them some time to learn to control their tongue and control what they were saying. Take some willpower, some determination, some repentance. But what is coming out of the mouth is revealing what is in the heart. That's not my words. That's the words in Matthew 12, 34. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Hatred, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Verse 35, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things, but an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. How much more clear could the scripture be? Verse 36, but I say unto you that every idle word, wow, I, I want you to get this, I want you to say that with me, every idle word, every idle word, I want you to look at your neighbor and tell them every idle word, every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Wow. Oh, didn't God forgive me? Yes, but you're going to give an account. May I remind you, saved folks, that the conversations that you have today, you're going to answer to God for those conversations someday. This is serious business. Of course we need the mercies and grace of God. Yes, we do. This is a Christian character series, and I'm calling this church to a higher level of standard. Somebody said, well, the church down the road, you can talk like that. Let them do what they want to do. I want to be a Bible church. I want to be a people that believes the Word of God and stands on the Word of God. God is calling us to a higher standard. He reached way down and saved me and brought me out of a pit that I had fallen in and brought me up, brought me out of that. I don't want to go back and live my life in that pit. I want to live above it. Yes, it's a sinful world. But by the mercy and grace of God, I can present my life every day, my conversation every day. So when I get up of a morning and start my day and I whisper a prayer to the Lord and say, God, I need your help. There's not a day goes by in my life before I roll out of bed of a morning that I don't pray. I pray over our church and I pray specifically over my family and I pray over my boys and and my daughter-in-law, and I pray, God, as they're traveling today, give them traveling mercies. Protect their vehicles, and I envision every one of them, and I envision their vehicles, and I pray, God, be with them today. And my boys, they're working, and I know they're working on ladders and working in elevators, and I, I pray specifically, God, today, I want you to guard them, guard their health, put a, put a protection around them. I pray over them, and then I pray, God, now I need you to help me today. Because I don't know what I'm going to encounter today. I might, some, I might encounter some folks today that's going to try to bring the worst out of me. But God, by your help, if you don't mind giving me some mercy and grace today, that just because they try to pull it out of me doesn't mean it's got to come out of me. 
because you put something better than that in me. So from the abundance of my heart, let my mouth speak faith. Let my mouth speak hope. Let my mouth speak righteousness. Whatsoever things is good and lovely and of a good report, I want to think on those things. Because the greatest battle, the greatest battle you will ever fight will be the battle that you fight between your ears. The battle of your mind. That'll be the greatest battle you're going to ever fight in your life. Your greatest battle is not going to be with a, with a wife or ex-wife or husband or ex-husband, a friend or foe. You're, that's not going to be your greatest battle. The greatest battle you're going to fight is going to be the battle that you deal with between your ears. And sometimes conquering that battle between your ears requires us starting out our day with prayer, saying, God, today I'm making up my mind willfully. I know I'm going to have some challenging things to deal with, but by your mercy and by your grace, I'm going to get through this day and I'm not going to say something I ought to not say or act some way I ought to not act. This is the kind of life that God is calling his church to. A higher standard of living. Because he said at the end, you're going to give an account for every idle word that you speak. Our words and our conversation. Is that my dean saying that I'm almost done? Oh, three minutes. Got it. Three minutes. All right. Our words... And our conversation reveals the condition of our heart. Oh, oh. Out of the same well cannot flow good water and bitter water. It doesn't flow out of the same well. It's two different wells. It doesn't flow out of the same well. See, some of us say, ah, well, you know, if you just knew me all the way I used to be, so today I'm going to be holy and tomorrow I'm going to be live like the devil. No, 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 no. What's proceeding out of your heart, it's coming out of the same well and bitter water and sweet water can't flow out of the same well. That's what the Bible says. It doesn't flow out of the same well. You've got to decide what's in the heart. So sometimes we got to start with saying, God, here's what you got to help me do. Purify this heart of mine because I'm a mess. And I got a lot of stuff in me that you've got to get out. You know how, God, I gave my heart to you, my life to do you. You forgave me, saved me. I was baptized, received your spirit, started living a new life. But God, I'm telling you, this flesh of mine keeps trying to pull me back down. I believe heaven smiles at those kind of honest prayers. It said, I may be a mess, but God, I want there to be something clean come out of me. And the only thing that's going to come out of you is what is in your heart. So we've got to work. We've got to work at it. We've got to let God help us. Every Christian must work to guard their words. Here's why. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're not human. And there are two, there is a warfare that's going on in our members. It is the flesh against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. The writer said, oh wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Oh wretched man that I am. He's going and giving us a scenario of, of the criminal when they, when they have committed murder and then the innocent person is tied to the back of the criminal and now the criminal is, has to live the rest of his life with this 
dead corpse tied to his back. It's a death sentence. It's a matter of time till infection comes into the man that has killed the other wrongfully. And so he, he lives with this dead body rotting, tied to his back until it eventually puts the infection into the man that is trying to carry the dead body on his back and the man completely dies. Now the apostle begins to say, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? What he is doing is put us, putting us in a scenario where he is saying to us, child of God, who has repented and died out to the old man. You've crucified the flesh, right? So in repentance, remember the salvation series in repentance, that's, that's godly sorrow work with repentance, but there is a dying out to the flesh saying I'm not going to be the person I used to be, what I was, I will be no more. I'm repenting, I'm turning my life around, I'm turning over, I'm starting over again. It's a, it is, and so there is the dying out. We bury the old man in water baptism. That's what this watery grave of baptism is about. And so we are buried in Jesus' name in baptism. We come up out of that water and our sins are remitted or removed. So the old man now is dead and behind us, right? It's buried. But the apostle says, unfortunately, unfortunately, we are human beings filled with the Spirit and so therefore now we have to deal with this flesh. He saved me, but my flesh is still here. So every day when I get up, I'm dealing with this flesh. Bad attitudes, lust, lying, stealing, whatever it is, whatever the sin nature of your flesh is, whatever you deal with, that sin nature still there. You repented. You put it behind you. God forgave you. You started over. But now the apostle says, here's the issue. You're going to keep dealing with that. And that, that old wretched man, who's going to deliver you from the body of this death? You're going to have to have the mercy and grace of God and a whole lot of work that you're going to have to put into it because that old nature is going to try to rear back up in you. That man that liked to tell dirty jokes, he's going to forget about being saved after a while and he's going to get pulled into it. And if you're not careful, if you let down your guard, you'll get pulled right back into that. That man that stole, that's supposed to steal no more, according to Scripture, will end up going right back to that old life because that nature, that human nature is there. He didn't save us from our human nature. He saved us in spite of it. And that's why we have to have grace and mercy. But we have to make willful decisions every day of our life. I will not give in to the will of this flesh. You know why we fast? Why we should fast? Because it's for the destruction of the human will. Because one of the greatest desires of the human nature and human will is that of food. When we deny ourselves food, it's a biblical, it's a biblical thing. We're called to fast. And when we deny ourselves of food and we fast of food, it puts us into a place where we are controlling this flesh and the flesh is gnawing at us and the stomach's growling and, oh, I can't, oh, Anybody with me? And we're gaining control and that flesh is dying and we're getting control of that flesh and able to say no to that fleshly desire so that the spirit may be strong. 
So people who deal with sins of the flesh, fasting is a great way, it's a great step in helping you to overcome those sins of the flesh. Lust and desires of the flesh, all those things can be conquered and fasting is one of the great ways. It's not Fasting's not about getting the attention of God and forcing God to do something for you. And you say, man, I'm going to fast until God does what I told him I want him to do for me. I don't really find that fasting. There's fleeces before the Lord. That's not really biblical fasting. Fasting is the crucifixion of the flesh. It's the destruction of the flesh for the strength of the spirit. And so therefore we fast. It is part of our consecration unto the Lord. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. It's one of the things we do in order to try to conquer the flesh. And so when we do this, we are gaining control of the flesh one step at a time. It's easier to say no because we're not giving in to the flesh. Feed the flesh. I'm not just talking about natural food. But you start feeding the flesh, ah, it's what I want to do. Do what feels good to you. Follow that pattern and see where it ends up taking you. Right back into the old nature that you repented of and tried to get out of and ask God to save you from. You'll end up right back there again. It'll every time. Because the will of the flesh is so incredibly powerful. If you don't resist the flesh, you will never conquer the flesh. You can't conquer what you do not resist. And so we have to try to conquer the flesh. That includes our tongue. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Be not deceived. Verse 33. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 33. Be not deceived. I'll only take about 10 more minutes. Is that all right? I, I see you antsy a little bit tonight. And I know the weather's giving us a little break. and People are nervous with all the Alarm's going off tonight. We're going to be okay. Jesus is going to help us. Give me about 10 more minutes and we'll find, us, we'll find an exit ramp. Christians should always guard their words and their actions. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Be not deceived. We're, we're, going, to get into, we're going to get into other elements of this as we go in the next few weeks. But tonight I'm going to start with what I see. There is more scripture about what proceeds out of our mouth when it comes to our holiness and separation from the world, our attitudes of, of our mouth and how we're controlling our tongue is the greatest. The tongue is the most unruly member. And so what is proceeding out of, is the first step of holiness that I believe we need to seek God for. Be not deceived, verse 33, 1 Corinthians 8, 15. Be not deceived. Evil communications that's plural everybody say evil communications evil communications corrupt good manners so people can have a lot of good actions but evil communications it didn't just say words it says communications there's a lot of different ways of communicating evil I was not here but I was in another church some time ago and I walked in and there was a man talking to someone else and they were giving their pastor down the country. I mean, boy, they were so, and I walked in, and they didn't know I was anywhere around. And so I'm listening to the conversation uh, from a distance, and I'm a little appalled by it as I'm standing back, and I'm listening to the conversation as the man is just, he is letting the people know that he had the answer, 
but the pastor's not listening to him, although he's been telling the pastor what he ought to do. Now I'm standing back smiling, and the quick thing that caught my attention was that the person that knew that I was standing there is looking at the person that's doing the talking, and they're looking at me, and they're going, And finally, the person realized what was happening and goes. And I smiled and I said, God bless you. How are you doing today? And I just shook everybody's hand and I just went on. And ever since, I've just been going, get them, Jesus. See, you can get a lot of stuff right. Know how to tie your tie, wear your suit. Know when to, oh, we're in church, but I know, man, I grew up on the church pew. I know when to stand, when to be seated. I know when to say hallelujah, amen, glory to God, when to wave my hand. I got it all figured out. But if you got evil coming out of your mouth, your religion isn't doing anything for you. Because your evil communication corrupts good manners. What the Bible says. The evil communications corrupt good manners. Verse 34. Awake to righteousness. Oh, this, again, this is the Apostle Paul. He's talking to the Corinthian church now. And he says, awake to righteousness. Do you see what I'm gathering out of here? That evil communication is unrighteous. We worry about holiness of how we look or where we go and don't know, don't go, but we are not concerned about what is proceeding out of our mouth. Awake to righteousness, folks. Your righteousness is being revealed. What is in your heart is being revealed, but what is coming out through your tongue. And then watch the next words he says in verse 34. Awake to righteousness and sin not. Wow. Does that mean that what comes out of your mouth can be sinful? No sin's going to enter heaven, right? So therefore, we may have an issue with somebody who claims to be born again of the water and of the Spirit on their way to heaven, but they can't control their tongue. And the writer is saying, your mouth is full of sin. Awake to righteousness and sin not. Then he goes on and says, for some have not the knowledge of God I speak this to your shame. He said, I've, I've watched this. I see this in you. So all types of evil communication are condemned in Scripture. Not just one type. All types of evil communication. Some are even listed with the sin of witchcraft. Galatians chapter 5. Four more minutes. Galatians 5, verse 19, go with me real fast. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these? Adultery, of course, we know that's sin. Fornication, well, of course. Uncleanliness, okay, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft. Oh man, who in the world would worship witches and be full of all sorts of hatred? Oh, hmm. hatred right there with those others, variants, emulations, wrath, hmm. anger, outburst, really? They're right there with them. Yes, strife. Oh, meaning getting with somebody else and talking and stirring up trouble. Mm, evil 
communications coming out of your mouth. Awake to righteousness, sin no more. Seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and the such like. He goes on, he puts them all in one big package. Pastor, do you mean to tell me that just because I get with brother so-and-so, and you know it's the truth that we were talking about, but just because it stirred up a little strife, are you telling Yes, I'm telling you, the Bible calls it sin. So all of the, all of the commandments... All of the commandments and some of these, some of these are connected to words and conversations that is proceeding out of our mouth. Romans chapter 1 verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliceness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers. You hear the words that are all connected to the tongue? They're connected to the tongue. Whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters. See the tongue, the tongue, the tongue. Words, words, words. Inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covet, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implicable, unmerciful. Who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Wow. Here is a mouthful. I'm closing with this. Be careful what you agree with when somebody, well it wasn't me saying it, but boy I liked it when they said it. That's just what this is calling out. It's calling out agreeing with it. I know it's social media, but be careful what you like. Be careful about the memes. You don't know what all the underlying meaning of some of that junk is that people put on there trying to find ways to be critical. Listen, social media is overrated anyway. Let's get real. But be careful what you find pleasure in. Enjoying, boy did you hear them, they really told them off, you ought to heard it, I enjoyed that. You're just as guilty as them if you're finding pleasure in it. So we must control the tongue because the tongue, this evil, uncontrollable thing that God has put within us, this thing that we have to, that we struggle with, this, this tongue of ours, this communication, evil communication, some of it is equated with the sin of witchcraft, gossiping, tail-bearing, fault-finding, slander. All of these things are connected to the sin of witchcraft. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. This is a pretty heavy dose I'm giving you tonight. But in our first lesson of Christian character, I want you to walk out of here and I hope that I have impressed upon you tonight to understand the incredible importance of the words that proceed out of our mouth. If I'm quick to tell somebody off and give somebody a piece of my mind, be careful. You might not have a whole lot left to give. I want to control my tongue because what is coming out of my mouth is telling me about what's in my heart. And it's telling everybody around me about what's in my heart. That's why that I want to speak things of God, things of hope, things of mercy, 
things of grace. Because without God and without his help, I too will be lost. I'll get caught right in the middle of everyone else's issues. Thinking that, oh look, oh I'm saved, sanctified, and set free. But my heart is filled. Oh pastor, I'm so righteous. You should see all of my righteousness. I know how to live all this righteousness. But if it's in your heart, here's what the scripture said. All your righteousness... It's like filthy rags. It's just like filthy rags if we don't have the mercy and grace of God and the goodness of God that is working in our lives. Stand with me tonight. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for letting me share my heart with you tonight. We're going to pick up, I want to pick up when we come back, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about authority. That's the next thing we're going to talk about. Next, next week we will be off because of camp. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about authority and authority in all types uh, we're going to talk about authority in the home, biblical authority, authority in the home. We're going to talk about authority in the church. We're going to talk about authority in the government. So we're going to have fun. We're going to have fun. We're going to come back and talk about authority. God, I pray over this congregation tonight, Lord, and all the weather and systems that's moving through. Lord, as they travel home tonight, I pray that you give traveling mercies to every person that is here tonight. Lord, we thank you for their efforts that they put forth to come to the house of the Lord. I pray now, God, that you be with us as we leave this house. God, keep us very close to you. Strengthen every home and family.